Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I'm here today with Kim Blasiak. And I heard about Kim, Kimberly, right? Kim. From Elizabeth Floyd Mayer, our Gilderland reporter, who covers the Gilderland schools and says Kim is at almost every school board meeting and she's always advocating for special needs kids. She even founded a PTA for the parents of those children. So welcome, Kim. Thank you very much. And I'd just like to start with a little about who you are, who your family is, and how you got interested in special needs students. Okay. Well, um, first of all, my son, Alex, was diagnosed autism, ASD, when he was two years old. So this is something where, I mean, we have four children. How old is Alex then? Alex is 11. He's in sixth grade. So it's something that after a while, like when you first start and your child's first diagnosed, you're just kind of thrown into the deep end where you sink or swim and you have to figure out how you're going to advocate for your child, how you're going to get services. It's very overwhelming. And over the years, you, you get used to what you're supposed to do and how things go, what the laws are, what's required, and you get a little bit better at advocating and then I feel it's your job to kind of help other parents that are just coming into it. So that's really how I got started, at least advocating for special education. So age two, that was an early diagnosis. How did that come about? And isn't that good that it did? Because I understand the earlier, the better. Absolutely. The autism spectrum. Yeah, we actually, we saw things from age one to two. And it was just something where it was still too young. And the doctor would say, oh, just let it go, let it go. And then when my son turned two, we really, at his two-year-old um, physical, we said, all right, there's something here. We know something's going on. And the doctor looked and took about five minutes March. And we were very lucky because we lived in Syracuse at the time. The wait was around 18 months to get in with the doctor who has the diagnosis, who gives the diagnosis. So excuse me, we put out feelers in every city that we knew people, friends, family, everything that we could get out. So we were able to get into the Center for Autism in Philadelphia the soonest. And we got his diagnosis and just kind of moved right from there. Where's Alex? You have four children? Four children. So where does he yep. come in the lineup? He is second out of four. So you were so. already an experienced mother. At least you yes. had a sense of what the 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 regular posts are for progress. Yes, and I was very active with my sister and her kids. Um, so I had that I had that experience behind me already. So especially with boys, I knew from my nephew, okay, well, at age one, this is usually typical. And it doesn't like follow textbook all the time, mm-hmm. but there were certain things that we saw that were just clearly different. And this must be something that affects your, affects your entire family, the other children as well. Yes, it does. And it's, I mean, there, we have to say when Alex was diagnosed, the one thing that we said immediately was Alex is not going to be the center of this family. It has to be like we had at the time we had my daughter and then Alex, just the two. And we didn't want it to be just all about Alex all the time. It had to be something where, yes, of course, that's going to be different we were we had different concerns we were going to have to spend more time with him with certain things but it's not always about him and now that we have four it's it's we've had our struggles through the years to say well, the least any family with four children 
never mind the autism. <laughs> yes. That's struggles. That's a, yes. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah, but wonderful. So when did you move to Gilderland? When did- we moved here in July of 2015. Okay, so three years ago. And yes. Alex was how old then? He was, oh my goodness, he was going into fourth grade. So he was eight, going on nine maybe, or You'd think I would know the right. math offhand. But yes, he was going into fourth grade. Yeah. So which elementary school did he go? Oh, he goes to he went to Pine Bush. Pine Bush. Okay. Yes. That's a beautiful school, I think. I love that yes. they have a little footsteps on the pathways to find your way. Because if you come to the school and you're not used to it, it's a yes. great thing to, um, but tell us when you got to Gilderland how how you kind of found your way um, as an advocate for a child with autism? I mean, well, it was, I mean, before we even came, um, because my husband had lived here four years before we even moved here. So we were familiar with Gilderland. We liked Gilderland. Um, I actually, I believe his name was Stephen Haddon, who was the director of special ed. And then he retired just as we were coming in. He was wonderful. I heard great stories, but I would call him almost every year because I would think we were moving and I'm like, we're coming. We're definitely coming. So get ready for Alex. And then when when we finally had the offer on the house, everything was set. And I called him. He goes, I'm so excited, but I'm retiring. <laughs> so it, we we then spoke with Lisa Knowles, and we included her in our last CSE meeting in our old district so she could hear from everyone. We brought all of our reports because they did their um, triannual review, and we just kind of jumped right in. It wasn't... It's, the advocacy has kind of taken a little bit of time to kind of get our our, our feeding or I, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words, but just kind of get our ground. Mm-hmm. But when it came to like getting Alex what he needed, I guess that's something that I learned early on. It, it wasn't a can we get him what he needs. It was a, okay, they're going to do it. And, I, and I've been very lucky, I have to say. I haven't really had any issues. So they've been, I mean, Gilderland, at least in my experience, has been great. We've been very lucky. Um, We've worked with some great people. They've been very receptive. They genuinely, it's nice when you send your child somewhere and they genuinely like your your child. Like they they really enjoy seeing your child. Yeah, well, Gilderland has a decades-long reputation for special ed and, and being kind of in the forefront. But if you could just... Kind of unpack until we get into the specifics of what you've done with the PTA. In case we have listeners that might be new to being a parent of a special needs child, what advice can you give on becoming an advocate, you know, on um, putting yourself forward on behalf of your child? Because I think that's hard for some people. It's very hard because I, I do work with a lot of parents. I talk to a lot of parents. I mean, we're all in the same boat. We're on the same team. So where there's the fear of, well, these people work with our child every day, so we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to do anything. And it's not an us versus them. It's a what can we all do together that would be in the best interest of our children. And I tell people, I'm like, never feel guilty for sticking up for your child. Never worry about the repercussions for sticking up for your child, because that's all you're doing is sticking up for your child. You're fighting a fight that you were you were put into it is what it is and it doesn't make it any easier because there are times where I even kind of fumble a little bit and I take that extra step back but I would just want people to know that 
you really, even if someone doesn't feel that they're an advocate, just think of, just think of your child in school during the day without you and not if they don't have the capability, not being able to voice if something's wrong or if something is too much or too little. And just think that you need to have that voice to move forward. And if anyone needs help, reach out to another parent. I mean, that's one thing that we tell people, buddy up with someone. If you are going to a CSE meeting, take a friend, because sometimes you're so in the moment and ready to talk about things, and you might forget something. So if you talk about it with someone before, then you have someone to bounce off issues or someone that understands. So twice you've mentioned the CSE meetings. Just tell us a little about how that functions. Who's there sitting around the table? What What's the... Um, not just the format, but the process with that. Okay. Well, the CSE, the Committee on Special Education, they also have the CPSE, the Committee on Preschool Special Education, and they also have a 504 committee. So with any of the committees, um, if you're already in the system, it's something where you meet yearly, although you can meet as much as you need to. So parents can always request a meeting. Um, but it's something where usually your child's providers are there, your child's teachers, um, anyone who can help and who works with your child or knows your child. You can also have an advocate. Um, I know Gilderland also has parent advocates. You have to give them 72 hours in advance to have someone there. But you just you essentially sit around a table, then you just go through, okay, this is where my child really needs help. This is where they're struggling. This is where they, they need a little bit more work. And the one thing, like for a parent that's coming into it for the first time, I would tell them ahead of time because I, I had someone tell me at our first ever meeting, when we come in, we know your child is amazing but they're going to bring out the negatives so we can give them the help to get to the positives because it gets very hard when you're a parent and you're hearing, well, my child is having a hard time with this or my child can't do this. It, it gets emotionally draining. And I also suggest to parents to bring a picture of your child because you want people to remember, I mean, during, we, I call it CSE season. During CSE <laughs> season, people are, it's not that they don't like your child or anything, but everyone is so overworked going from meeting to meeting. So just to bring a picture of your child so they see, hey, this is a kid. So front and center, yes. this is a real person. Yes, this is who we're here for. That's a nice idea. Yeah. So what led you to the idea of putting together a PTA? How did, how did that coalesce? Um, well, I'm very active in PTA to begin with. So for me, it was just, it was something that when I first came here, I wanted to start, but it was, it was not a good time. Um, and then as I kind of went on, because I, I never really met a lot of special needs parents, and then I started to meet more parents, and it was just, it was nice to meet people in the same boat, but we all said the same thing. Well, we don't really have someone to talk to, or we didn't know this, or we didn't know that. And so then it just kind of evolved where it was like, all right, you know what? We need to have a place where we can have all of us come together, not just the parents, but the teachers and the administrators, because we do have to work as a team. And we can all be in the same room and we can all learn something. We can all share information. We can just kind of break it down. And then it just became something where we were very adamant about doing it. We started as a subcommittee of the Gilderland Council PTA, and then we chartered after three meetings. 
because there's a process through the state that you have to go through. So just describe that charter process. The charter process, you usually have to have an initial meeting just to get people interested, just to see if there is interest, which that first meeting, people were like, okay, let's sign, let's let's do this today. I'm like, no, 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 there's a process. So then you have to put it out 30 days ahead of time. You have to come up with your bylaws, which are very typical bylaws for New York State PTA. It's just kind of a plug-and-play form where you fill out certain things, but it's all the same because we, we are PTAs, a 501c3 nonprofit, mm-hmm. so you have to follow through. Then you have someone from state come and speak to you, which kind of worked in our favor because I'm on the state board for PTA, so I was able to do that. I talked with some people at state. They're like, if you're comfortable with that. So I, I was very comfortable. So it was, you. <laughs> so it was me. Um, so I spoke to everyone. And then you also need 25 members, which we had no problem getting because, to be honest, we had full rooms so are these parents coming from all the different five elementary schools? Or? Not only parents, but teachers, teachers too. too. We, yes. So it's across, is it elementary level only? No, we it- take age. It, we go essentially with the special needs ages where they say 3 to 21. Oh. So if someone at the preschool level is interested and wants to join, they're more than welcome. If they, even, if they don't want to join and they just want to come for information, we're fine with that too. But right across, I mean, we've had people from all of the schools in Gilderland Isn't attend. Isn't that great? So it draws from the entire district, both parents and teachers. Yes. And I know you said the bylaws are fairly set, but do you have your own sort of mission statement or you know, sense of your goals that set you apart from kind of the regular education PTA? Well, that's something that, to be honest, we were so gung-ho on starting that we kind of got ahead of ourselves on a couple things. So that was one of them where right now this year we've kind of taken that step back and we have, um, like I have a co-president, Meg McConchie, and she is creating a website for us, which is amazing. And, and can you just give us that address in case someone's listening? And it's to- Well, it's not fully up oh, and running okay. yet. Right. So it's just something where we've it's been going, works. yes. Yeah. Um, next year, our plan is next year we have already talked to a lot of organizations around the capital region we are going to reach out to the teachers again because we did ask the teachers also we did meet with the teachers union and we asked what is something that you would like us to bring in for training or just to learn more about so executive functioning was a huge one so we brought someone in to talk about executive functioning in march tell tell me what that is um, that is pretty much it. Of course, that's the one meeting I wasn't attending. Um, but that's something where kids have a hard time just getting something from their head down into paper. So they have the thought in their head, but they don't exactly know where to start. Or they have organizational issues. Just It's it's pretty much just getting their, themselves and their brain organized. So as a PTA, you were able to bring someone in for professional development for the teachers to learn about? It was just, we were able to bring in a speaker, not like official professional Mm -hmm. development, but something where they understood it. Because a lot of the teachers had said, okay, we get, and they do, they get so much training, but at the same time, they, they could use more. 
they could always use more. And so it was something where it just gave them a feel like, okay, this is something that could help in the classroom maybe, or this is maybe how a kid feels, or it just gave them that little bit more information. Well, that's great. So that's one very good concrete thing. Can you tell us some of the other things that you've done as a PTA group, either with the teachers, for the teachers, for the parents themselves or students? Sure. Um, In August, actually last August, and I think we are probably going to do the same thing this year, we held a Gilderland Sepsa community picnic at Tawasentha Park, and it wasn't just special needs students and their families. It was open to anyone in Gilderland, and we were. it was very well received. We had quite a few people. We rented one of the pavilions, and we just, we had everyone just kind of come together, meet each other, talk. We had pizza, drinks, snacks, um, coffee, because it was freezing for some reason. Uh, we had, yep, we had a lot of activities, um, but it was just, it was nice for everyone just to get together and just meet other people because sometimes you're, you're, I don't want to say sheltered, but you're in your school and you may see another parent and you may not. And it was nice to reach out to other parents and say, okay, your child is is struggling with this. This is the same thing as my child. Or, oh, what worked for you? Um, So that was kind of a big thing. were the kids at this picnic, too? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so that's great, too. So they got to meet people outside of their own school. Yes. Yeah. And that park is so beautiful. Yeah, it was was very nice. So is that going to become an annual event? We've been talking about it. Yeah, I think it is. I think we might try to make that an annual event. So it was definitely, we, we we're very happy with the response, and we just need to kind of. We're, we're thinking maybe making it a little bigger every year, and then maybe adding, seeing if the teachers' union wants to join us, or just kind of making it a full community event. Nice. So when when were you officially founded? When- um, on May twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen. Wow. So you've done a lot in just a very short amount of time. Yep. This is and this has been one of those years where it's one of those learning years where we're just yeah. getting our footing. Um, we're figuring things out. We are kind of coming back and making plans where next year we're going to be fully up and running. I mean, we even offer if people need it, we do offer someone to come and help you during CSE meetings or just to even talk about issues. So we'd like to we'd like to create maybe a database. That's something we've talked about where there. Just and it would have to be just member locked and, and things, but where people could have their names and numbers, like okay, for example, Kim Blasiak, her son has autism. She's willing to talk to another parent whose child was diagnosed with autism or who has questions, just to kind of meet up and pair people off if they need help. Nice, because I imagine there are times when you could feel very much alone and like you were struggling, kind of without support even if you have a good school there just must be social issues that come up yes because there are and i i say to people i know both sides of it so what do you mean well i i have and and people can't see my air quotes but the gen ed children who are in just the the regular classes fully Mm -hmm. but then i have my son who is in gen ed but he has special needs and he has all of his supports and his iep and his one-in-one ta and I can see both sides of it. Like mm-hmm. if if something's going on in the class, I I want him to get what he needs, but at the same time, I don't want other kids to not get what they need because my child might be doing something. And it's it's a hard it's a hard mix. 
But the inclusion seems to be working. I mean, Gilderland's moving more and more in that direction. Is it something um, you think is basically a good direction? I was, to be honest, and I've said this to the, I've said this to the district before. I was actually very surprised at how behind Gilderland was when we got here, because we did come from a district that was fully. In- inclusive. inclusive. This was in Syracuse? Yes, it was Baldwinsville, New York. Okay. And so it didn't even occur to me in this day and age that there would be a district that wasn't. So it was very, very surprising because usually people were very surprised when we moved here when I met a few parents whose children had autism and they said, oh, is your child going to Linwood or Altamont? I said, Pinebush. Like, well, no, 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 no. He has autism, right? I'm like, yeah. Well, he gets services, right? I said, yeah. So is he going to Linwood or Altamont? I'm like, Pine Bush. Because those schools were Yes, those um, were the schools. Yeah. So it was it was just very different for me. I mean they're jarring. Yes, they're going into the right direction, which is great. I give them massive credit for that. But it's it's still a work in progress. But they are they're doing it. So are you aware are there other PTAs? like this and i've never heard of one is this oh yes yeah. no there are other um actually new york state pta is has been chartering quite a few sepsis lately and there's one in south colony that's i, I actually talked to that president quite a bit mm-hmm. that's very active there's one where is that in salem um there's one in pardon me because i'm still I don't know all the names, but yeah. is it Wineskill? Wineskill. Wineskill. Yeah. Um, they have a great one that just chartered last year. But they are around, and it's something where it's not totally separate. Like, it's a community thing, and right. they support their community. Well, the other two school districts we cover are Burnott's Western and Voorheesville, and it's new to me because it hasn't been in one of those districts. Could you just kind of, and I know you can't put a whole year's worth of work into the amount of time we have left, which isn't a lot, but just some advice if someone wants to start something like this where do they begin and how what are the what's the process okay well the first thing you need to do is at least get some interest so you need to start reaching out to your community and to your parents and just saying look this is something that we're thinking about doing what do you think because you want to get support you don't want to be the one parent that's ready to do it because a problem is and we do still run into this um We've actually had some Board of Ed members that have attended our meetings last year, and we kind of showed them by raising hands that, okay, this is great that everyone's talking here, but who's still afraid to speak up sometimes because of retaliation? And every hand in the room, just about every hand went up. Oh, my goodness. So So, what kind of retaliation? Well, there there really isn't retaliation. It's it's honest, and it's a true fear. It's a parental fear that if you speak up or if you rock the boat or say something, you're going to step on the wrong toes to where these are people who are working with your children all day. So you're afraid. A lot of parents are afraid, well, they're going to take it out on my child. It's going to be – and and. That doesn't really happen, but, but it's it a is a, it's a genuine it. fear because and that it took fear me becomes a reality. Yes, so it did take me I a see. while to get over that too. And part of me getting over that fear was really knowing the laws, really knowing like when the district will send you that they'll send you usually a packet or you can get one on what the laws are and what you're entitled to. Read it. Definitely read it cover to cover. Read anything you can get. And what is your background? What? That's the funny part. Um, 
I actually have my degree from Syracuse University in supply chain management. So completely different. (laughs) I actually wanted to be a U.S. customs broker. And then I, I went back to school later in life and went back, had a child, took a break, went back, had a child, took a break, then went back and graduated. And then every time I wanted to go back to work, I would have, well, first of all, my son was diagnosed, so I stayed home for a while. And then I would have a child. And then I got involved in PTA. And it was something where when people think PTA, they think, okay, they're doing the book fairs and they're doing... Cupcakes. Yes. And... (laughs) That's a little, a very small part of what PTA does. PTA has such a strong state and national voice where we are a genuine grassroots advocacy organization where our mission is we advocate for every child. And that's something that I really stand firm on. It's not just about my children. It's about every child, every district, like equitable funding across the board everything. And just that true deep belief of that organization, that's what really drives me. And that's where my passion kind of came out because then I see, okay, I'm really engaged in my children's education. I know what's going on with the district. I know what's going on at the state level even. I mean, we go as a New York State PTA in February, we have a LegEd Advocacy Day where we go up and we talk to our elected officials and we say, these are our concerns for education. And it's it was the best day. It was just the best day because you hear all of these stories, but you're really doing this for every single child that walks out and goes into a school building. You speak with such commitment that I have goosebumps. Oh, it's just wonderful. So I got you off the track a little. You were yeah, sure. talking about the process of setting this up, and yeah, you, sorry, no, it was a fascinating. And I, <laughs> I, this idea that parents have a fear that if they speak up that there will be retaliation against their child does having the PTA itself help calm that fear in other words because they're then working kind of shoulder to shoulder with teachers yes because I think in a way it also allows people to see that we're kind of all in the same boat Mm -hmm. like teachers and parents and just before we go on, also, I'm not saying that Gilderlin like does that. They don't. It's just anywhere you go with special needs parents, mm-hmm. that's just something that that's part feel. of it. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's just something where you're always worrying, like okay, and then there are people <laughs> like me where after a while. It doesn't even affect my day-to-day. I don't even think about it because I go in, I'm very fair. I don't ask for things that my son doesn't need, and I genuinely want to work in partnership. So, And I tell other parents that. I'm like, go in and know what your child needs. Have conversations with his teachers. It's in my son's IEP, for example. We have daily communication put in there. where and that's I, an individualized education yes, plan. Yes, know. and thank you. Daily conversation. Yes, which it's not always daily, but it's just something in there where... If, so it's hard for him to have a conversation? Well, no, that's for me to talk to his teachers. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes, no, because oh, if, I I, if he comes home, and this is a lot of kids, it's not just like my son but yeah. kids in general how did school go fine what happened today i don't know 
So it's nice that I have that because if something goes on at school, the teacher can email me and say, hey, you know what, this happened, is something going on? Or if something is going on, I can send a quick email and say, oh my gosh, bad morning, heads up, just so you're aware when he gets in. Like we just have that back and forth because it's not my job to send my child to school and say, well, this is on you, just like it's not their job to send my child home and say, well, yeah, good luck with everything, you figure it all out. I mean, it has to be a partnership. So constant communication. Yes. Has technology helped with that? I know there's some schools where teachers will even like film parts of their classroom and send it home. And- technology has been great because we will we can text, we can email. Um, if we need something filmed, there are times where, and I I love this, where the teachers will have their phones in class and they'll take a picture, a video of him doing something really cool, and they'll shoot it off to me. Oh, nice. So it's it's been great but it's not abused either it's not something where we just have frivolous conversations it's something where we genuinely we're working together for things we're trying to find solutions together so do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners yes um First of all, never, I I tell everyone, never fear about being an advocate. You don't have to, you could be a very quiet, reserved, shy person and still be an advocate. The only thing you're doing is you are supporting your child. Never worry about what other people are thinking because it's not personal. It's not your feelings towards your your children's um, teachers and providers, everyone who works with your child. It's not personal. This is something where you're going in just like they would for their children, and you're trying to get them what they genuinely need to get the best education that they deserve. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you.